Test, 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 <clears throat> Hey, welcome to How to Write a Novel. So, uh, down on the beach, but the water is extremely high today. There is not a lot of room on this beach. This is where it feels like horizontal mountain climbing. Because <laughs> I've just got this little strip of rocky beach and then a little cliff on one side and water on the other. I'm going across a big fallen log right now. It's very tough. Gotta go real slow. So hey, what better time than this to do a podcast? So I thought I would do a little episode about the idea of bailing out on a project to work on something else. Because that's basically what I did over and over and over and over for my entire life. (laughs) And it finally, after, you know, like 15 years, it really dawned on me of like, wow, this pattern, it's so easy to slip into. And it's so, uh, it seems like it's not a mistake because it's like, it's all right. I'm still working. I'm still writing every day. I'm still working on something. But then if you bail from that project and then you bail from the next one and you bail from the next one and nothing ever gets finished. And yeah, the, uh, oh shit, the little like fallacy of it eventually revealed itself to me because it's not like hidden advice. Everybody says this of like, you know, stick to it till the end. Finish what you start. But I guess I've never liked that advice in life. I always kind of resented it. Like if there's something that I'm not enjoying, if there's something that I don't like, I don't like the idea of being forced to stick with it. Like, uh, I don't know, just things like uh, Cub Scouts and whatever. I liked that stuff when I was a kid and then as I got older and it was way less fun. And I hated having that used as like a reason why I should keep going. It's like, well, you should finish what you start. It's like, well, no, I fucking shouldn't. What do you mean? Like, that's that's not good enough. That's not an explanation. That's a non-explanation. That's a desire to not discuss the situation and to not talk this through, to not communicate with me about this fucking thing I don't want to do. little passenger train going by. Maybe it'll go by just in time to see me fucking bail off of this log and fall into the ocean. (laughs) So yeah, if somebody else is trying to make you do something and is like, well, finish what you started, blah, blah, blah. Like when what they really mean is finish what I started. (laughs) I started you down this path of bullshit and now I expect you to finish. I think it's completely appropriate to rebel. My mother raised me well, so I rebel. But to take that same kind of rebelling attitude and uh, apply it to your own work, not necessarily a good idea. Maybe it is just a way to conveniently trick yourself into never finishing anything ever. <laughs> and uh, gotta, you gotta buck that off eventually. So yeah, in the past few years, I have uh, definitely recalibrated because uh, when I finished my first book, my nonfiction book about the video game The Last of Us, I was like, ah, this feels so good to finish something. This is the thing. It really brought into sharp relief the difference between working on something and actually finishing something. Because I've been working my whole life. I got so much writing, it's absurd. 
but things I've got finished to relatively few. So yeah, it really uh, nailed that home for me of like, you gotta finish, you gotta pick your target and you gotta finish. But yeah, now that I know how important staying focused on one project is, but also having this long history of uh, jumping ship and not seeing it through, it's interesting to kind of uh, put those two things together. So I did a podcast a couple of weeks ago called Getting Past a Bad Day, where it was just, yeah, just this shitty day where I'm just like, ah, fuck this. And where I was saying that I was really tempted to, uh, like, that's where historically I would have jumped ship. I can see it. I can see the alternate sliders version of my old self just kind of uh, subtly falling off. Just like, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to work on the main thing today. I'll just go work on this other thing. And since I'm still working on something, it feels like a legitimate choice. It feels like it's not a mistake. It feels like everything is still moving forward. When the reality is, I just, I just failed. <laughs> I'm never going to go back to that old story. I'm never going to get back on track. I'm just going to work on this new one for three months and then work on something else for four months and there's never ever finish. So I thought it might be interesting to uh, just talk about, because this also ties into like where ideas come from. But I thought it might be interesting to just talk a bit about the what I was gonna jump ship to and how in that moment, on that day, what a great idea this sounded like. And how now, you know, even the next day, even just having ignored that impulse and fought my way through the existential malaise and uh, sticking with the main novel that I'm writing, just how immediately it was like, wow, that other idea is so underdeveloped and is so harebrained. <laughs> and it's just so funny to think that in the moment it feels like an equivalent of like, oh, working on this other thing is just as valid. It's just as good. And it's not that this other idea is bad. It's just way, like I said, underdeveloped and just, uh, it's not something I could realistically dedicate years of my life to. <laughs> but in the moment, it just it feels like it, it could. So I had, it was like one of those times when I wasn't asleep, but I wasn't awake. You know, it was like right on the twilight edge of just like almost awake. So basically, I guess this would be, I guess it was a dream, but it really wasn't quite a dream. Like I was aware the whole time I was having these thoughts. But they were extremely dreamy thoughts because I wasn't really awake yet. And I was thinking slash dreaming about uh, a girl in a fantasy world. So like a modern day girl in a fantasy setting, which is a pretty standard trope, especially in like Japanese cartoons and manga and shit. And I think specifically that was kind of on my mind because I started watching the show ReZero. R E colon zero because somebody recommended it to me and I did really like it at first for the first 10 or so episodes until he goes to like the neighboring kingdom I was like this show is actually really cool because what it is is it's a, a modern day guy who gets transported to a fantasy land but then when he gets killed it's like Groundhog Day you know he just wakes up again that morning like a save state in a video game so you can try again and it's a really good method because it allows the world to be 
really dangerous and really severe, like terrible things happen to this guy. Really brutal things. And it's nice because it keeps the, uh, the whole premise from just being boring. You know, that classic thing of just like, I think I mentioned before, but like how uh, it kind of blew my mind when I was a teenager. When my friend Mark was like, you know, I don't like James Bond. I don't like Batman. I don't like these characters that never lose. And on the surface, I was like, are you fucking crazy? What do you mean? <laughs> this shit's great. But then I thought about it a bit, and I'm like, man, he's right. Like, yeah, we, of course they're always going to win. There's no actual stakes. This shit's really boring. So I like how this ReZero show gets around that, where this dude fails and fails hard. Like, fails in graphically horrifying ways. And it really keeps a sense of tension about the world. Because you know this guy can be killed. You know that the forces around him are all way stronger than him. And that there's no realistic reason why this guy should make it. It lends a lot of weight to the setting. And I remember kind of thinking something similar to that when I played Uncharted 2. Because Uncharted is a basic uh, Indiana Jones style adventure serial. But in those movies, again, it's just like... The guy just makes it through every scrape. It's just like infallible. There is no stakes. There's no tension. It's like, yeah, of course you're going to make it. Who gives a shit about this? <laughs> Where it's cool in an Uncharted game. Because in a way, it's like, it's like the most severe art film version of that kind of story. Because we don't just see the one time that this guy makes it through and that everything goes perfectly well and everything goes his way. We also see the thousand times that he gets killed. <laughs> and each one of those is a time when he should have got killed by all rights. So you get to see both sides. You get to see the reality of the situation. And at the same time, you get to see that one perfect run where the needle gets threaded every time. And he somehow doesn't die. Which is just neat. It's just something a movie can't do. It would be a fucking eight hour movie and it would be a drag. But yeah, that ReZero show, I never finished it. I mean, eventually I'll fight my way through. But you can just feel sometimes when uh, an anime gets to like season two time and they just kind of shake up the basic paradigm and it just feels different and the tone is off. And that very clearly happens in this show. And I'm just like, oh, it doesn't feel right anymore. I don't like this. And then it got into these like long, like 10 minute long, love conversations between characters that are all so wooden and so weird and just like oh I'm so in love with you for no reason and it's just hard to watch <laughs> it's like even when the other character says this is nonsense and uh, this isn't gonna happen it just still doesn't justify it it doesn't make up for it and then a little later on this other character is like hey you know what I guess I'm in love with you and we can have a uh, a beautiful life and live get old together and live in a little cottage and it'll be great and I'm like what the fuck is happening why does this character feel like that where did this come from in one of the realities that character killed this dude with a giant fucking mace with a morning star it's just oh real just it just real tonal problems <laughs> like big ones sledgehammer ones and maybe I'll finish it someday, but it, it is really not worth it. When, when this feeling rears its head, it's not worth it. Like uh, that uh, show 
Death Note. That's a really great anime, you know, until halfway through. And then once the season two thing hits, once the uh, new theme song kicks in, it's like, this feels different, this feels wrong. And then beyond that, it gets even way worse when like a whole different protagonist, antagonist team takes over and it's just awful. Like last summer, I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna finally, I'm gonna rewatch Death Note and I'm gonna make it through this time. And it wasn't worth the effort. God damn, the back half of that show is so terrible. It's just beyond terrible. Cool theme song though. Hey, hey, you me sucker. Hey, you me, you me fucker. Hey, hey. So anyway, I think that ReZero show was in my head, and that's why I was having dreams about a modern-day person in a fantasy world. God, I'm really stuck here. There's like this rock I gotta try to climb over, but really thick branches in the way. Maybe I can try to step out toward the water, but there's just slippery rocks. I don't know what to do. <laughs> this, is, this is bad. Just gotta go slow, I guess. Just take it one little bit at a time. So then, while I was imagining this scenario, I also thought what would be funny is instead of any kind of courtly speech or any kind of humbleness or any kind of uh, traditional fairy tale talk, it could be that the people from the fairy tale land are all like that. You know, they're like from a, like a fucking high fantasy story, all fancy pants. But this main character, this girl, could just be an asshole, could just be a total dick. So just the... The kind of dialogue that I was thinking about was just... She could be in this land where everyone knows magic. Because that idea also, where did that come from? Was it... Man, was it one of those terrible Piers Anthony books? I started reading... Piers Anthony was like just this name I kept seeing. I kept seeing his dumb books everywhere and I had no real sense of who he was. And his first was Xanth, is that what it's called? Xanth or Zorn? Xanth, I think. His first Xanth book was at like a library book sale for 50 cents. So I'm like, all right, let me try this. And I started reading it and it was so bad. It was so terrible. So I looked him up and I'm like, who is this guy? And man, this guy does not deserve to be famous at all. He is awful. He is just the most juvenile, numb-nutted nonsense in the world. And it's all like weird and sexist and like I got a lot of weird hang-ups and I got a lot of weird problems and I've had a lot of difficulties in my life with uh, romantic shit and my relationship with people. But I would hope that I never wear my prejudices and problems on my sleeve like Piers fucking Anthony does, <laughs> you know? It is so obvious everywhere that this guy, he's just a weird misogynist, you know? He's just like, he is, it's ludicrous. I don't know how these books, I guess it was like from the 70s they started, but they just are like these beloved children's, you know, 12 year old or so age group fantasy book series. And they're so fucked up, they're just like, whatever, man, I don't know, you can look them up. I mean, yeah, I obviously have all kinds of weird social hang-ups, that's what this whole book is about, is my thoughts about cultural difficulties and my own internalized bigotry and stuff like that. Like, that's what this story is about. But I want to, you know, I hope anyway, it's always hard to self-evaluate, you know, yourself. 
but I hope that stories I write will at least be like told in a intelligent kind of manner or like a I'm aware of this I'm trying to work through this I'm trying to look at the angles around this that I'm trying to examine my own biases and my own weird experience on this earth even the negative sides of it whereas with Piers Anthony it's not clear if he's aware <laughs> you know that he's got all these hang-ups and these weird views of the relationship between men and women and he's just like it seems like not only is he unaware but he's like hey this is how it is right everybody huh this is what it's like when a dude tries to relate to a chick this is how it is and it's like no Piers this is not how it is this is a serious you, <laughs> you need to talk to somebody not write 80 books that just get more and more fucked up anyway but I looked into him a little bit and I'm just like, this guy is, this is garbage. This is ridiculous. And it's not well written. It's always just terrible, top to bottom. But I think maybe it was in that book that I saw the idea of, fuck, how do I get over this goddamn rock? That I saw the idea of, of everything having magic. I'm pretty sure it was from that book where he was describing like a clearing at the top of a cliff side and how the clearing itself had magical will and kind of uh, made itself more approachable and more enticing so that people would come up to that part of the cliff and look out at the world. And I thought that was a pretty neat idea, just the idea of magic being that pervasive. Okay, hold on, I'm gonna hop up under this rock. Oh fuck, ah, all right. I made it. Jesus Christ. I think on the way back I might have to walk on the train tracks and risk death. Let this be my final will and testament that if I ever die on these train tracks, it's okay, it's my own fault. Oh, fuck. So, I was thinking that my, my character from the modern world could be in this land where everybody knows magic except her. And that would be the opening line of the story, is just some little, you know, hobbity motherfucker with his fucking pipe and bullshit and his little brass buttons on his coveralls and whatever. Standard fantasy dickbag number one. She could be like, so everybody in this world knows magic? And he'd be like, yes, my lady. Everyone in this land has magical powers. And she could just say, well, that fucking sucks. <laughs> And that's really it. That's the idea for the story. I just thought it would be really funny to start with this pretty standard tropey opening that's just a combination of different fantasy ideas. But just to have her be so not a fantasy character and for this to so not be a kid's book. Like just open right up with like, well, what the, what the fuck? I don't know magic at all. What the fuck am I supposed to do now? So that was really it. And then when I woke up, I'm like, I like that. And I just, you know, I only thought about it a little bit. But I was thinking, like, uh, in that ReZero story, the guy has... He just stopped at a convenience store, and he had a little plastic bag full of modern-day bullshit. And then in the fantasy world, he barters with that stuff, and it doesn't really become a big part of the story. But I loved that aspect of it, that they have magic, but he has a smartphone, you know? And he's got no way to recharge it, but he can briefly impress people with it. Like, hey, look, I can take a picture with this. Look at this shit I can do. 
So I was thinking I could uh, use an idea like that where maybe this girl is stuck in the fantasy world, but every once in a while, in the same weird, unexplainable way that she got teleported there, she gets teleported back to her world for like five minutes. And I guess that'd be the time to talk with her grandma or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But she wouldn't care about that because she's a badass motherfucker. She would use that time to go gather modern day items to bring back into the fantasy world to solve whatever problem that she's in. So maybe in the fantasy world, she's trapped in a, a cell or something. So she gets teleported to Earth Dimension just long enough to get something modern that she could use. And then I was thinking like, cause I love to have an ending. <laughs> I was like, wouldn't it be great if eventually it escalated to she goes back to the human world and she gets a gun <laughs> and then she brings the gun back to the fantasy world and that's how she becomes queen because it's like army of darkness you know this is my boomstick you primitive screwheads you want to fuck with me i have a gun <laughs> and i think like that's kind of a funny idea i think that's kind of a neat idea for a story but that's it i just told you the extent of all the ideas i've got for it but i was thinking like yeah you know what though this could be the kind of story especially if I just want it to be funny and I want it to be kind of silly and over the top. Maybe it's better not to have a lot of notes for this type of story. Maybe this would be the thing that's better to write freehand, to write blind, to write by the seat of my pants and just see what happens. Just let it go. So I jotted down what little ideas I had there. It was, you know, only a little bit and uh, I didn't really have a name. So I just called it No Magic Daphne because <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, that kind of rolls off the tongue. No Magic Daphne. I guess your name is Daphne now, protagonist. I kind of like some writers, I always just call when I'm writing notes and I don't have a name yet for a character, I usually just call them the protag. But some writers use MC for main character and I gotta say I do kind of like that because it's also like the master of ceremonies. This is the maxim reality of this book. This is, uh, this is the MC, this is the one leading you through the party. I like finding old driftwood and breaking it. <laughs> but yeah, so on that day that I totally didn't want to work on my main story anymore, I was like, hey, what about No Magic Daphne? Fuck this story, let's write that story. And like I said, back in my uh, younger days, this is absolutely what I would have done, despite the fact that I have almost no ideas for this story, despite the fact that it's totally by the seat of my pants, despite the fact that it's there's like a broad concept, but the specifics are nothing, literally nothing. I'd have to make up everything as I go. There's no fucking chance this thing is going to turn out to be anything but like a funny kind of thin book and to abandon my other book that I've been working on for four months in order to write No Magic Daphne would just be such a bad idea. But that's how it's easy to trick yourself. And that's how I've been tricking myself all these years up until now. Is because it's easy to tell yourself, like, I'm not abandoning the old story. I'm just taking a break. I'll just write No Magic Daphne for a day. Uh, maybe a week. You know, maybe a month. Maybe two months. And then, you know, you're just not working on the original story anymore. And No Magic fucking Daphne is going to stall out immediately and then everything has been torn asunder. 
what I want to do to end off this episode is I just thought I would read what I do have written of No Magic Daphne because I read it again today and it did make me laugh. It's like, this is like a funny idea. I do like this idea for a story, but it's really not something I can imagine ever actually writing because I really think the swearing is a big part of it. And like, what is the market for this? Like, who is this? What is this all about? And because it's so random and so dumb, I really feel like this would almost be better as like some kind of group project, like a, if different people just wrote chapters into, you know, whatever, into some weird, bizarre, impro manga style book. But all right, here's what I got. <clears throat> no Magic Daphne, chapter one. So are you telling me everyone here knows magic? The young woman asked, her arms crossed crossly. Sorry, her arms crossly crossed. Indeed they do, said the short, bespeckled man, resplendent in vest. Well, that fucking sucks. I don't know how to use magic. No one does. No, he said. Everyone does. Not where I'm from. And you knew what I meant, you little dummy. Don't talk back. Hey, hey! She grabbed him by the vest causing the ornamental pipe to droop betwixt his lips. Do some magic. Show me what you can do. What sort of magic would you like me to do, he asked. His bushy eyebrows scrunched up against one another, like two bushy caterpillars touching butts. Hmm. <laughs> you know, I guess really what I should do is take the swearing out of this story and aim it at the Piers Anthony 12-year-old audience because it's very dumb. <clears throat> Make me a hamburger, she whispered, pulling him closer. I know not what that is, he said. This is a fantasy land. Ah, dicks, she said, dropping him. He fell hard on his back butt, the pipe very nearly falling from his dry, bewildered mouth. It had been a whole afternoon that she'd been in this fantasy world, and it was seeming increasingly less fantastical and more idiot-filled. Is there a queen? She asked, take me to your queen. I don't care if she's evil or some kind of icy cunt face. I don't give a shit. Just take me to her goddamn castle before I kick your ass. It, it is not so easy, the small man stammered. That's it, bend over. Present your backside for a kicking. Yes, um, he said, drawing a slow draft from his pipe, then turning and bending. She very nearly licked her lips at the sight of his prodigious rump. It would feel so good to kick. And she was not a believer in denial of any kind, so she drew her foot back and swung it immediately in his wretched direction. Her foot sank pleasingly into the fat cushion of his behind, and a strangled yelp erupted from his throat. He attempted to keep his balance, but failed and fell on his face. Milady, he said, struggling to his feet. I know not your name. Stay down, she said. So that's it. And then, uh, as the little rough notes at the bottom, she got teleported to a fantasy world. She occasionally gets teleported back to her world for five minutes so she can bring something modern with her. Trapped in prison, she returns to her world. Her grandmother cries, Where have you been? Please stop running away. Shut up, you old bag of bones, she says, kicking the old bag of bones down the stairs. Her grandmother grabs onto the handrail, avoiding serious injury. And Daphne could eventually get a gun and become queen. And there we go, that's it. So that 
my friends. That is the idea that I was willing to jump ship for. I was willing to give up on my giant month-long process I've been through to write this book and like all these ideas that I've been gathering for a year previous to this and and this story that I really feel like solid about like yeah I want to see this through I want this novel to be done I want to see what my story of the rhino girl and the fucking alien spaceship I want to see how this turns out I want this to be a thing but uh you know what today's a bad day today I'm not really feeling it you know what no magic Daphne kicking her grandma down the stairs beating the shit out of a tiny bespeckled gnome man <laughs> that's that's the new ticket that's what I'm gonna do and that is an example of why it is very important to pick a project and stick with it. And if ever I do return to the mystical land of No Magic Daphne, you can be sure that it will become priority number one, and I will hold on with every fucking ounce of my being until No Magic fucking Daphne is finished. But until then, No Magic Daphne can fuck off, because it's a stupid idea. If I work on my main novel and I'm like, I did it, I did some work today and I feel like uh, a little side sojourn into No Magic Daphne land, which I will not feel because I just, I have no other ideas. It's been a couple of weeks and I've had no more thoughts about this story. But should I wish to do that, that's fine. But No Magic Daphne has to remain in the number two spot or more realistically in the number 10 or 15 spot. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, it's just crazy. It's crazy to like unravel your own mind and your own uh, habits and just to realize like, yeah, that's, that's what I would have done. I would have not finished my really cool novel because of the siren song of, of the anything else, of the let's just do anything else because I don't like this pressure. Absurd. Okay, so since we were talking about Death Note earlier, let's, uh, let's play the cool theme song from Death Note, because when Death Note got shitty, ironically, it also got an excellent theme song at the same time. It's extremely rare for an anime to have a good theme song. It's virtually impossible. It almost never happens. But Death Note Season 2 had this great song. I can't remember what it's called, but the band is called Maximum the Hormone, which is such a great Japanese band name. And this is how I remember that the Japanese word for human is ningen. Hey, hey, ningen saka, hey, ningen, ningen fucka, hey, hey, ningen saka, hey, ningen, ningen fucka, hey, hey, ningen saka, hey, ningen, ningen fucka, hey, hey, ningen saka. What a people! It's a theme song that you won't soon forget. So here is that song from Death Note. I will see you tomorrow.
Here's a little bonus content. This is actually quite creepy. So I'm just sitting on these rocks and uh, I think the water is still rising. It's certainly not going down. And there's this train parked behind me. And I got trapped here once before where I was behind one of these enormous trains and uh, eventually it was dark and I was like, I gotta get out of here. And I gathered up the gumption to go climb around the train like climb up between the cars and uh, kind of freaked me out but uh, but it really wasn't so bad because the train wasn't moving but this train keeps moving like it moves a little bit forward and then it moves a little bit back it's wigging me out like I don't want to go near it <laughs> it's scary to go near a train and there's that that honking that's another train on the other track I'm pretty stuck here this is weird but this is how you find the stretch of beach with nobody on it. You gotta go past the train yard and onto the stretch of beach that's between two giant uh, processing plants. So that's why nobody can come from either side. You know, it's worth it, but it's a little fucked up sometimes. Anyway, so I'm still reading this Fearless book, right? And man, there is a couple of really good lines in this. So there's an occasional first person chapter that's, you know, direct from the main character's perspective. And she's just, you know, talking about her weird life as a CIA experiment where she's a fearless, super combat teenager. And she's talking about how it's, you know, kept everyone at bay and she's never had a boyfriend and she's never been kissed and, you know, all this stuff. And she acknowledges that it's like, that she's such a vain, petty and selfish person that she's so ashamed about this. But it ends with such a good line. Yo, Rapunzel forget the ladder there's a faster way down it's like holy shit that's a good line whoa oh fuck now there's a bunch of waves that are like splashing on me because there's no room on this beach but yeah I love that line yo Rapunzel forget the ladder there's a faster way down because like that is such a great kind of sassy way to say like I want to fucking kill myself <laughs> yeah awesome just awesome. There's some good stuff in this book. How weird though, I'm like looking at the back and it's like, there are 12 books in this series and uh, the idea is that there's one every month. You know, I guess in the classic style of the Hardy Boys back in the day. It's like, dude, like this is, it's so not what I'm trying to do where I'm gonna spend a long, long time writing a book that I, you know, <laughs> hope will penetrate deep into the heart of uh, bookdom for long to come. An unlikely goal, but uh, that's that's the aim. But man, talk about the opposite, like 12 books. I hope they're all at least written by this same person. Because if this one holds up, like, yeah, I'll try to get the other ones. But if they're written by different people, that'd be lame. 
Seems likely they would be, though. Who can write 12 books that come out one per month? And the pop culture references don't hold up so good, because, you know, this is from 1999. Would have been better off without those. So, yo, Rapunzel, <laughs> forget the ladder, yo. There's a faster way down. All right, that's it. I'll talk to you tomorrow.